Well, we're excited. If you have your Bible, you can turn to Ephesians chapter 3. Ephesians chapter 3. My wife and I, I have a wife, her name's Abigail. I have a little son, his name's Maverick, and he is three. He'll be four in April. And uh, he talks all the time about music class with Miss Sanders and all the songs, all the songs, nonstop, all the time. We, uh, we bought a new house this summer. And man, so stressful. Those of you that know, we bought the new house and we had the grand idea, Abigail and I, mostly Abigail, is to do some different DIY projects around the house, which is stressful. Who's done a DIY before? Some kind of project. Here's what it is. It's a do-it-yourself. It's to say, hey, we're not going to hire the professionals. We think we can handle it. So we decided we're going to paint our fireplace and do all kind of fun, different things. I learned a few different things. Two things, two major things I learned in this moving new house process. First thing is say, yes, ma'am, a lot. Yes, ma'am, a lot. The second thing is this. I learned about a focal point when designing or decorating whatever a house. So here's basically kind of what I learned, what my wife taught me, is that in every room, in every house, there is a a focal point. There's a point in the house in which you decorate everything else from. So a focal point, it it could be this. It could be a, a piece of art that is on the wall. A piece of art, you want all the attention, all the focus. So how you do the lighting, how you do your couches and chairs, everything is based on the piece of art. Maybe it's a TV. You gather around as a family, and that is the focal point. That is the piece you focus on every night. Maybe you gather and watch a movie as a family, or it could be a a fireplace. Maybe it's a deer head, and you want that to be the focal point of the house. It could be a bunch of, of different things. Something you know, something I know in our life as followers of Jesus Christ, the focal point is to be him. Every aspect of our life, every piece of our life should be focused on him. So how we position our lives, every aspect, every corner is all on him. We know this This isn't new information. This is the goal for us as believers. But I want us to look at Ephesians chapter 3. Ephesians chapter 3, we're going to look at verses 17 and 19. And here's what we see in verses 17 and 19. Paul is writing this and we see the goal. Listen, the goal for you, the goal for me, the goal for 2024, the goal for us as believers in Jesus Christ. Listen, here's what we want. So that Christ may dwell in our hearts through faith, that, that you being rooted and grounded in love. That we may have the strength to comprehend with all the strengths what is the breadth and length and height and depth. And that we may know the love of Christ that that surpasses all knowledge. That we may be filled with the fullness of God. That's what we want. That's the goal for you and for me as followers of Jesus Christ. But if you're like me, we go through life exhausted, stressed, and listen, this is me, especially in this season right now. I feel like I can barely keep my head above water. Sometimes we just, we go through life numb, just trying to make it as a dad, trying to make it as a husband, trying to make it as in work in every aspect, and we can just, we can go through life exhausted. And that we know that he's to be the focal point 
We want to we serve him. We want to love him with every fiber of our being. How, how can we make Christ the focal point? How, how do we do that? And I think Paul says it very clear here in Ephesians chapter 3. So, so I want us to study this together. We're going to look at it first, verse by verse, and four kind of keys, four things that how we can make Christ the focal point, how we can make every avenue, every aspect of our life focused and centered on him. We do this every week, as you know, but let's stand for the reading of God's word. Ephesians chapter 3, verses 14 through 21. Here's what Paul's writing to this church. Here's what we see. For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant to you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that that you, being rooted and grounded in love, that we may have the strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know, to really know the love of Christ that surpasses all knowledge, that we may be filled with the fullness of God. Now to him, he is able to do far more abundantly than we can ask, than we can think, according to the power at work within us. To him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. You can be seated. So four keys, four truths, how we can make Christ the focal point. The first thing, if you're taking notes, if you're writing things down, the first is it starts with a decision. It starts with a decision. So again, I want us to walk through this. Ephesians chapter 3, we see it very at the very beginning, verse number 14. For this reason, I bow before the Father. All right, for this reason. There's something that Paul's referring to. For, for what reason? So we must go back. Let's look at the very beginning of Ephesians chapter 3. What reason is he talking about here? Ephesians chapter 3, verse 1. For this reason, there's something going on. There's something Paul keeps talking about, Paul keeps referring to. Before we go any further, we, we got to find out what's the reason. Why is Paul writing this? Why is Paul bowing his knees? Why is Paul surrendering? So we go back even further to Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 14 through 17, we find the reason. Here's what Paul's saying, for he himself is our peace, who has made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility by abolishing the law of commandments expressed in ordinances that he might create in himself one new man in place of the two. So making peace. And might reconcile, listen, and he might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, therefore killing the hostility. And he came and he preached peace to you who were far off and peace to those who were near. Why is Paul writing this? What is the big reason? The gospel. The gospel to who were near, the gospel to who is far off. The reason is Jesus. The reason Paul says in Ephesians chapter 3, verse number 14, at the very beginning, he says, For this reason I bow. 
For this reason, I bow before the Father. The reason is Jesus Christ, who died on a cross for you and for me, that provided an outlet. Our sin has separated us from the Father. But because of Jesus Christ, we have hope. So why? what is the big reason Paul can write? The big reason Paul can surrender? It's because of Jesus. It's, it's because of the gospel. If we want to experience the full, everlasting love of the Father, it starts with the decision. It starts with the very decision that Paul says, and he says, for this reason, because of Jesus, I surrender. Because of Jesus, I'm choosing to bow my knee and surrender completely and fully to him. That's the reason. It starts with submitting ourselves. It starts with the decision that Paul says that he's surrendering and he's bowing before the Lord. So how do we make Christ the focal point? The first thing, it starts with the decision. It starts with us saying, I'm surrendering. It's all on him and no longer me. So it starts with the decision. The second thing that we see is not just a decision, but we must be serious about the decision. I wouldn't say it's easy, but most, many, especially here in the South, have prayed a prayer at some point in their life. They may have even walked an aisle, talked to a pastor. They may have even been baptized. So it's not just praying a prayer. It's not just making a decision. It's being serious about the decision that we make. We must be determined in that decision. Verse number 16, as we're just continuing on in this text, here's what it says. That according to the riches of his glory, he may grant to you, listen, to be strengthened with power through his inner being. So we must be strengthened with power. How how are we going to be strengthened with power? In 2024, in our lives, we don't want to go through life numb. We don't go through life exhausted. We, We want to be strengthened with this power. How can I achieve this? We see it in the very next verse. Here's how we can be strengthened with power. By Christ dwelling in our hearts. Through faith that we may be rooted and grounded in love. So, so how do we be strengthened? How can we make it? Through Christ in you. Christ in you. The truth is, and I pray you know this, you, you can't make it just you as a dad. Christ in you, you can make it. You can't just make it as a husband. No matter how hard you try, no how many flowers you bring home from work, just, just you can't make it. Christ in you can make it. As a student, working hard, trying to make the grades, want to make something of your life, you in your own strength, you can't make it. Christ in you, you can make it. As a family, you want to make it. You want to be, listen, you can't make it without Christ in you. This church now, how much, how incredible this building is. Now, how many people come in here? We can't do it. But Christ in us, Christ giving us the strength, our Christ being within us, guess what? We can make a difference. We can change downtown, but it is only through Christ in you. So Paul's praying, Paul's asking this, this incredible prayer, God, strengthen me. God, God, I bow my knee before you. I I surrender to you. All that I have, I surrender. But God, I'm serious and I I need your strength. I need your power. 
I, I need you to be within me for me to make it. That's a mighty prayer. I think the peace is knowing just kind of how we are. If I went to your life group, if I went to your Sunday school class, and I just kind of sat against the wall, here's how most prayer requests begin in a Sunday school class. It's going to first praying, you're going to first pray for Mike's cancer. You're going to pray for the sick. You're going to pray for Mike's cancer. You're going to then move on. You're going to pray for Miss Betty Sue's toe surgery. That's tomorrow because she's had that hangnail for a while and it's a little bit gross. So you're going to pray for that. Then you're going to continue on and pray for someone's financial needs. Because there's, there's someone, somebody's uncle somewhere that got laid off and needs a new job. When we think about prayer requests, when we think of what we ask for God, it's usually so often someone's sick and someone in need. Hear me. We should pray for that. It, it's, it's good to pray. And in fact, in Scripture, we're commanded to pray for the sick. So, so we should pray for those things. Here's the problem. Listen to me. The problem is when we are more concerned for our physical health and our financial well-being than we are our spiritual holiness. The problem is when we're concerned about physical health and financial well-being more than we are concerned about pursuing Christ with every fiber of our being. So Paul's saying this, may I be, may I be strengthened with your power. The ask is more of you. The ask is can I pursue holiness? Can I pursue spiritual maturity? Determination. May we be relentless in our pursuit of holiness and our pursuit of spiritual maturity. Christ in us. Yeah, we pray for the sick. Yeah, we pray for our brothers and sisters in Christ. We absolutely, we want to lock arms and walk through life with them. But first and foremost in every aspect of our life should be, God, I want more of you. More of you. So a serious decision. It starts with the decision. We must be determined. We must be serious about the decision. But if you're like me, it's not just making a decision. It's not just really wanting that decision to make, but we must be disciplined in that decision. We must be rooted and grounded. We must be disciplined in that. We see that's exactly how it continues in verse number 18. Verse number 18, we see this, that we have, may have the strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height. And this isn't, that we may have the strength to comprehend. The strength to comprehend what? What do, what do we need the strength to comprehend? We see it in verse number 19. That we may have the strength to comprehend that we may know the love of Christ. To know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge that we may be filled with the fullness of God. May we have the strength to comprehend his love. When I, when I think about that and I think about the strength to comprehend his love, I have people around me, I have family, I have friends, I, I have friends that love me, I, I have family that love me. That, the, the, the thought that God loves me is not like, oh my goodness. Because my son, he's three years old, as he's growing and as he's singing the songs, Jesus loves me. Jesus loves me, this I know. For, for the Bible tells me so. We, we grow up knowing God loves us. 
But may we just begin to fully grasp how much he loves us. We'll never fully begin to comprehend how vast his love is. But, but may we have the strength to, to comprehend, just to get an idea of his love. Again, yes, he loves us. And if you've been around me for any length of time, I say it all the time. Here's the piece that blows my mind. Genuinely gives me chills thinking about it. Listen, it's not, that you got, it's not just that God loves me. My wife loves me. My dad loves me. My son loves me. My, my friends, God loves me and knows me. Nobody knows me like God. I messed up. <laughs> he knows it. He knows all the wrong I've done. All the wrong I keep doing. All the thoughts I've had and haven't even done it, but he, he knows my thoughts. He knows every hair that's on my head. He knows me and still chooses to love me. He, he knows you and still chooses to love you. If we can begin to grasp his love, it changes everything. It changes everything when we get how much he loves us. Understanding his loves changes what we love. When we understand his love, it changes what we love. I, I, would, I would say this, and it, it's so interesting studying this text and, and, and gleaning this. Listen, what you really love, what you really love is more important than really what you believe. What you love, what you choose to love is really even more important what you believe. Chris, what do you mean by that? Here's what I'm saying. Our affections determine our actions. Our affections determine our actions. Let me put it this way. The person that loves God the most lives for God the best. The person that loves God the most will live for him the best. So when I choose to love him with every ounce of me, I'll serve him the best. It is, it is an outpouring of my inner relationship, my love for him. So again, to make Christ the focal point, to make him everything, it starts. It must begin with a decision to bow, a decision to surrender. I must be serious. I must be determined in that decision. I must be disciplined so that it can sustain. I must understand his love and get his strength in me so that I can make it. I must be disciplined in it. Here's the last thing we see. And probably the most important is complete and total dependence on him. Complete and total dependence on him. Verse number 20, here's what we see. I love this. Giving all the glory, all the glory. Listen, to him who is able to do far more abundantly than we can ask, than we can think, according to the power at work within us. The focus is all 
on him. It's all God. All glory is on him. He is able to make it. Not you, not me. Because we try. Dad, we try. Mom, we try. We try really hard to do it in our own strength. And sometimes we think we got it and we think we're good at it and we think we can make it. The result of that is exhaustion. The result of that is feeling, feeling beat down, wore out, barely able to keep your head above water. There's such, listen to me, there's such, it's so scary and it's so freeing when you fully depend and rely on God. Making that decision, listen, is scary and freeing. Because here's what we listen. We like to be in control. <laughs> I like to be in control. And so to say, God, it's not me. It's all on you. I'm going to follow you. I'm trusting you with my family, with my finances, with my life, with everything I have. Listen, I'm going to trust you and follow. That's scary. It's scary to let go. But can I tell you the freedom it brings? To know that it's not all on you. To know, God, I can't do it. I need you. The freedom that it brings. Because we juggle life, finances, family, job, drama, the crazy relatives we all have that we're just trying to deal with. Every ounce of our life, we try to juggle. Guess what? You can do it for a little bit, but eventually your arms get tired and you get wore out until eventually it all crashes. So it's scary to say, God, you got it. But the freedom, the freedom that it brings Say, God is able. Verse number 20, we just read it. It's super, super clear. It's so incredible. Listen, he's able to do far more than we can think, far more than he can imagine in your life, in your marriage, in your family, in this church. Listen, he can do so much more than you and for me. Jeremiah chapter 32 and verse number 27. I love this. Here's, here's what he's saying. Behold, I am the Lord, the God of all flesh. Is anything too hard for me? Listen, hey, give it to me, trust me, I can do it, I'm God. He said, hey, is in, you really think anything is too hard for me? Look, look around, look at the ocean, look at the mountain, look at the stars, go outside and look at, you think what you, you, you think is too hard for me? And yet we hold on. Psalms chapter 37, verse 5, reiterating the same thing, listen, Commit your way to the Lord, but trust him. Trust him, submit to him, make the decision, and he will act. That is a promise in scripture. If we, if we commit our way to the Lord, listen, we're determined, we're serious, we're making the choice. Listen, we're serious. We trust him, we're dependent. What will he do? He'll act. It's a promise. It's a promise super clear we see right there. So we stop stressing, we stop striving, we trust him 
He will. He will act. So when we trust him, when we surrender, what happens? What, what do we do then? Verse number 21, our final verse, here's what it says. To him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. Listen, to him be the glory. We surrendered it to him so he gets all the honor, all the praise, all the glory. So when your family, when your family is working, when your family's all together, listen, to him be the glory. In this church, to him be the glory. In your marriage, to him be the glory. In every aspect of our life, listen, to God be the glory. May he get all the credit. It's not, not me, but him. To God be the glory. You can close your Bibles and and look up here. I, I've recently watched this, this documentary. I found it on Netflix, or not Netflix, Amazon Prime. And I recently saw this. It was so, so interesting. I found this race that, that happens. It's in Tennessee. It's in Tennessee. And, and here, here's, what, here's what this race is. It's one of the most demanding, incredible races as I've done this research. You can go watching. I think it's called like Last Man Standing. or oh, it's, I think it's called Just One Mile. Just One Mile. So here's, here's what they do. They have 15 minutes, 15 minutes to run one mile. I know what you're thinking, Chris. I can do that. 15 minutes, one mile. I got, Joe, you can do that. 15 minutes, one mile. Listen, here's, here's the trick. So this timer, they all gather. The alarm goes off. They have 15 minutes to complete the mile. And then after the 15 minutes, another alarm goes off, and they have to keep going. They keep running mile after mile. Again, 15 minutes of time allotted until there's one person left standing. They, this continues on like 30-plus hours of continuous running, mile after mile after mile. So, so the trick is this. The trick is you can't take 15 minutes to run this mile. You have to quicken your pace. You have to run it anywhere from about 9 to 12-minute mile. That way you have a few minutes to get off your feet and rest before you continue again. Does that make sense? And so what you see as these runners are finishing up, trying to get back so they can rest for a few minutes, as soon as they get back, you hear everybody yelling, take a knee, take a knee, take a knee, take a knee. Get off your feet. You have to rest. Take in some protein, drink some water, and rest before you continue your next mile. If you've done sports at any level, you've heard that saying before, right? Take a knee. I mean, hey, gather up, get off your feet, listen, but hey, just take a second to rest. Take a knee. So, man, these runners are exhausted. You know, again, running for over 30 hours, hundreds of miles, so many miles, coming in, exhausted, barely making it. And here's what the first thing they hear. Take a knee, take a knee, take a knee, take a knee. I was thinking about that and prepping for this, and it just kept raining in my head. Take a knee, take a knee. Because so many of us, 
wrapping up 2023, we're exhausted. Some of us physically, because everybody I know has the flu right now or some kind of cough. But spiritually, emotionally, just wore out. And listen, I I so get it, we got to hide it. (laughs) Dad, we got to hide it. Mom, we got to hide it. We got to push through. But we're wore out. I'm, I'm, I'm wore out. So what's the solution? To take a knee. So we see at the very beginning, Paul's writing Ephesians chapter 3, verse number 1. He said, for this reason, I bow my knee. It starts with a decision. It starts with surrender. We must be serious about the decision. We must, we must be determined. We must put discipline. We must put actions in place. We must be disciplined and knowing complete dependence on God. Complete surrender. He's got it. I'm not all glory to him. But where does it start? Taking me. So my prayer this morning Will you surrender? Will you take a knee? Listen, we come every Sunday and we sing the song of how great God is and how powerful God is and how mighty he is. But then we go right back to work the next day and strive and stress like it's all on us. So in 2024 and making Christ the focal point, the solution, the solution is taking a knee. The solution is surrender. Listen, it's all on him. It's not on you. It's not on me. May we surrender completely. We may take a knee and hand it all to God. Will you do that? You close your eyes and and pray with me this morning. We read in Matthew chapter 11, verse 28. Matthew 11, verse 28, it's so crucial. Here's what it says. He says, come to me, all who are labor, all who labor, and you're heavy laden. Listen, I will give you rest. You need rest this morning? Take a knee. Surrender completely and fully to him. So I'm going to pray. And after I pray, maybe that's what you do. Maybe you grab, grab your wife by the hand. You can come as a family. Maybe you come up here genuinely, symbolically putting feet to your faith and bowing the knee, surrendering to the Lord. Lord, I'm yours. 2024, I'm yours. Forever, I'm yours. It's not me. I'm done with the stressing. I'm done with the striving. Lord, I'm yours. So Lord, right now in this place, Lord, I ask that we surrender. Lord, I know, I know, I know because it's me that we're exhausted, that we're wore out. We need you. So Lord, I pray that we surrender. We give it all to you, Lord. In this place, we take a knee. We take a knee. And we give you all the honor, all the glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's-